Good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me today on uh, Next on the Tee, and we thank you for making us a part of your day. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the Bobby Jones Company, Frogger Golf, our friends at the Orange Whip, makers of the Orange Whip Trainer. And folks, if you never checked out the Orange Whip and you're looking for a great way to limber up before your rounds, improve your club head speed, you get yourself stretched out, that sort of thing, keep your swing intact right this winter, you need to go check out the Orange Whip. Folks, there isn't a better way loosen up and get prepared for your round then by swinging the orange whip my father right 73 years old plays five days a week he's using the orange whip to loosen himself up before his rounds it's helping me stay loose and improving my club head speed take a look at what a great training aid that it is and i wouldn't say folks if i wasn't using it myself go online to see for yourself at orangewhiptrainer.com and i'm very excited to announce our new partnership with our friends over at callaway golf i want to let you know what they have coming up with respect to their odyssey putters you know folks the difference between you know tour pros and we regular golfers is what pretty much everything but when it comes to putting the best players in the world generate topspin and impact and most of us just don't well the new o-works micro hinge insert that they have on their odyssey putters lifts the ball at impact and releases it with instant topspin regardless of your putting stroke so in short micro hinge rolls the ball for you the new O-Works Micro Hinge insert for Odyssey is going to be in store starting on February 17th. But you can go to odysseygolf.com to see for yourself and learn more about it. I'm your host, Chris Mascara, right? And today I've got a, you know, a couple of really great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you over the next hour or so. First up, I'm going to re- get a return visit from a guy who's become a great friend of this show, and that's PGA professional Chris Sheehan. Chris has worked at some of you know, the most iconic golf courses in the country. He's in the process now of moving up to Lebanon, Pennsylvania, where he's taken over as a head golf pro you know, at another great golf course, Lebanon Country Club, which dates all the way back to 1920. So we'll talk to Chris about that, his focus now, you know, being a little bit more on junior golf and a whole lot more when Chris joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll be joined by Brad Howard. Brad is the director of golf at Hammock, uh, Hammock Beach Resort in Daytona Beach, Florida, which is one of the most beautiful and challenging golf courses that you're going to find anywhere in the country. They have two great golf courses right there on their property, one designed by Jack Nicklaus, the other by Tom Watson. I had the privilege of playing Ocean Hammock, the Nicklaus course, several years ago, and it runs right there along the Atlantic Ocean, and it's truly spectacular. So we're going to talk about that, plus you know, get a lesson on how to hit better three-wood shots off the fairway when uh, Brad joins me a little bit later on in this half hour so like i said you know we're gonna have a lot of fun today on the show i'm so excited that you're here to take the journey with me on next on the t and like i mentioned a moment ago we're sponsored by the french lick resort which is an absolutely spectacular place folks you want to talk about you know two great golf courses? we talked about ocean hammock a minute ago or the hammock resort but up at the french lick resort they've got a pete Dye and a donald ross design course that were ranked number one and number two in the state of indiana by golf week it was the site of the 2012 senior pga championship they recently hosted the lpga legends championship back in the fall so go to frenchlick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay and every week here on Next on the Tee, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women who are serving in every branch of our military. And they're tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And we can't say thank you enough for the daily sacrifices that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans you know, out there for all that you and your families have done for us through the years. It's by your strength and your efforts that our way of life continues to be possible. So, folks, I hope you'll join me. If you happen to see a member of our military, 
when you're out and about, whether it's in the grocery store, at a restaurant, the airport, wherever you might be in your daily lives. Please stop for a moment and tell those folks thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well goes out to Sean Cruz and the great folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It remains such an honor for us to have Next on the T be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I want to continue. You hear me say it every week here on the show, folks. And I want to remind our veterans out there, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. That site has a lot of great articles and a wealth of information specifically geared towards our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. I also want to send out a big thank you to our great friends over at Podbean that are making Next on the T and our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, regularly featured podcast on both their website and their mobile app. You can see us featured right there on their homepage. If you go into their sports and recreation section, we're right there at the top as well. We really appreciate their support for what they're doing to promote our shows. It means a great deal to us. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, well, we hope you're doing it via the Podbean podcasting app. And on their app, you can get instant updates every time we publish a new episode. It's free. It has you know great features to let you easily discover, listen, and even publish a podcast for yourself. Whether you use an Android or an iPhone, Podbean is the app for your podcasting needs. Get the app now by going to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store so you can enjoy more of the podcasts that you love across all venues or genres, I should say. And we hope that two of them are next on the T and Thursday Night Tailgate. Again, podbean.com. Go check it out. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line. Making his third visit is, uh, is Chris Sheehan. Let me remind you about Chris's background. He was the captain of the baseball and hockey teams at Trinity College up in Hartford, Connecticut, and was an all-region and all-American nominee in both sports. In golf, Chris won the 2003 Western New York PGA Section Assistant Professional Championship and tied for 38th at the TaylorMade Adidas National Assistant Professional Championship that same year. Spent six seasons working alongside three of Golf, golf Digest Top 100 instructor, uh, instructors, including two of Claude Harmon's sons, Bill and Craig Harmon, plus uh, Todd Stones. 2009, Chris was the PGA South Florida Section's Private Club Merchandiser of the Year. He's also been the president of the Southwest uh, Florida Chapter of PGA Professionals. He's been a PGA pro since 1999 and worked at clubs like Bighorn Golf Club, Oak Hill Country Club, Inverness, Tuscany Reserve Golf Club, uh, Gateway Golf Club and Country Club, Pelican's Nest very recently down there for several years. And now he's the head golf pro at Lebanon Country Club up in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And I'm excited that he's back with me again here on Next on the Tee. Hey, good morning, Chris. Thanks for coming back on the show. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very long-winded introduction. I, I love it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, congratulations, my friend, on the new role as a head club pro up at uh, Lebanon Country Club. Talk about your new opportunity up there and, and, you know, a little bit about the golf course. Well, first and foremost, it's the home of Lebanon Bologna, and uh, it's one of my favorite things to eat in the world. So uh, it's manufactured <laughs> right there in the town of Lebanon. So I, I that that's all they had to tell me was Lebanon Bologna, and I was there. But uh <laughs> no, it, it's one of those uh, it's one of those things in life, you know. You you you're going along and you're, and you're doing well and, and everything's going along fine. And and uh, you know, as a PGA professional with many years of tenure, you get these job hits and and you see what's open and you help people find jobs and you you know you kind of figure things out. And all of a sudden, you know, last August I get this pop from from a tiny little place in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, with a 200 members and uh, you know it's just outside of Hershey and. 
you know, I, I was intrigued. You know, you read their website and it says a community within a community. And that's kind of who I am. I'm, uh, I like to help people out and whether it's, you know, the membership or, or my PGA professionals that I work with down here and serving for the chapter and the section and the foundation and things like that. Um, so I was intrigued. So I, I had a few conversations. They flew Liz and I up and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I could not have been, uh, as I mentioned to you prior, you know, before I, I couldn't have been hit over the head more, more severely with, with, with this is who I am. This is, uh, you know, you, you, you step on the property and you look at down the first fairway and there's mom and dad and son and granddad and there's three generations of golfers and off they go. And, and, you know, you see the, the abundance of kids and you see the, the love that these people have for their club, uh, the, the red carpet that they laid out for us and the kindness and compassion that they have shown us over this three month transition, which has been difficult when you're trying to, you know, sell a home and buy a home and, and relocate your family and, um, they have been with us uh, 100% the entire time, and uh, and that's something that Craig always told us, and it's something you learn when you work at places like Oak Hill and Inverness, is that you know the great places they're not defined by the golf course, they're, they're defined by the kindness and generosity of the membership and how deeply they love their club. And the folks at Lebanon Country Club are just madly in love with their club. They're coming up on a hundred year anniversary in a couple of years. And they were truly and have been the kindest, uh, most compassionate, generous people that, that honestly, I think I've ever been associated with in the golf industry. So I'm extremely looking forward to getting there. Uh, I, I, I jump in a car Monday morning. I got a two day trip, I'm leaving the Liz and the kids behind for a little bit as we uh, try and finalize the sale of our home up there. But uh, yeah, it's happening and, and we're looking forward to it. And uh, I, I can't wait to, to become part of, of what they describe as their own community within a community and, and joining uh, Lebanon Country Club. So I'm looking forward to wow. it. I, I appreciate uh, the congratulations. And uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, it's a, a quick story. When, when, when Craig Harmon was interviewing at, at, uh, at Oak Hill, he was probably in his mid-20s. You know, and his dad, Claude, was the pro at Wingfoot and Seminole at the time. And the gentleman who conducted the interview with him was a guy named Bill Thaney, uh, who was a past president, really wonderful guy. And they said to Craig during the interview, they said, you know, um, how do we know that, you know, you're the, you're the new up-and-come assistant and you're the new hotshot, and how do we know we're, we're not going to have you for two or three years and then you're going to go to Oak Hill and just follow in your dad's footsteps? And Craig, sitting across the table, looked him in the eye and said, guys, I will make this my wing foot. And sure enough, you know, Craig served there for almost 47 years. And it's a story that's, that has uh, resonated with me throughout my career. I've always wanted to find my Oak Hill. And uh, I can honestly say I, I really think that, that Lebanon Country Club is, is the pinnacle of, of, of what fits my heart, uh, my passion, uh, my love for the game, my love for families, and uh, and I, I just can't wait to get there. I'm really, as you can tell, it's, it's very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great story. Good, good luck there, Chris. Yeah. I hope I hope everything yeah, works thanks. out. And you know, we're we're talking 40 years from now about how long you've been there. And and you know, when I was sort of looking at the club, Chris, you know, it kind of dates back to you say so you, you know, a couple years shy of, of 100 years old. Dates back to 1920, built by Alexander Finley. Who was you know one of the first you know golf course architects to come to the U.S. He, I think he started back 
you know, building golf courses in 1887. But talk a little bit about the layout of, of the golf course because it looks fantastic from what I've been able to see online. It is. It's, you know, it's got a lot of shots that you've got to curve left and curve right. It's got some short fours, uh, some long fours. It's got some short threes and long threes. Um, it, it's an interesting uh, piece of property. It's, a, it's almost a, a perfect rectangle. Uh, it's on about 190 acres and it is just, it's almost a dead rectangle. And so you, you kind of wind through the perimeter on your way out and then you kind of wind through the interior on your way in. And uh, it's got the, the, the 11th hole is one of the toughest in all of Pennsylvania, according to many people that have played it and been there. I, I did play it a few times when I was there with the folks talking to them about the, the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, it's a really hard hole, but it just, you know, real small greens, uh, good, nice, nice, uh, at times severe pitching from back to front. Uh, a lot of, you know, many of the original push-up greens are still there. I think 16 of the 18 greens are the original push-up greens from 1920. Um, the superintendent, Dan Brickley, uh, does an awesome job with, with what he has to work with. It's, you know, it's, it's very fertile farmland and, uh, it's up and down and left and right. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a, ton of fun and and it was neat to be out there and you know and and drive i remember driving down the the fifth fairway and and when i was talking to the folks and and coming through the trees or or uh you know some of the members welcoming me to the club and you know hey you know we're glad to have you here and and i hope everything works out for you and and i'm following you know one of the legends of, of the of the philadelphia section pga a gentleman named mike swisher who was the pro for almost 40 years. He retired in 2010. Uh, he's in the Philadelphia section hall of fame and uh, he is still there. He's still uh, the pro emeritus. He still teaches quite a bit. Uh, he's got the men's and ladies golf teams at Lebanon Valley college uh, who use the facility. So to have his expertise, not only in the business, but also uh, in the area, uh, it's an amazing opportunity. He's been so welcoming as well. Uh, I saw him two weeks ago when I went to visit, and uh, it's just a, it's just one of those places that, that kind of makes your, makes your heart smile. And uh, I can't wait to get back. Ah, that's fantastic. And, and Chris, you, as you mentioned there, seeing, you know, three generations of families, you know, playing and going off, off the first tee. You know, one of the things that you were telling me, you know, before the show was you're sort of looking forward to getting a little and getting back into a little more junior golf. Talk about focusing a little bit more on helping younger players. Yeah, I, I, you know, as a, I guess it's as a PGA professional, but also as a human being. I mean, I think it, one of your goals in life is to is to foster uh, enthusiasm and excitement in the things that you're passionate about. And, and golf is certainly one of my biggest passions. And uh, you know, I've been away from junior golf for almost 12 years now in Southwest Florida. We don't have many juniors here, um, but. A place like Lebanon is is dependent upon those kids becoming lovers of the game and uh, and having fun with the game at an early age and uh, following in the footsteps of their dad and their granddads as as stewards of Lebanon Country Club. So uh, to, to be able to uh, be a part of, of their junior golf program and revitalize junior golf in that area, uh, I look forward to that challenge and I look forward to the opportunity and, and, and meeting those families because one of the things I always thought was the coolest when I was at Oak Hill and at Inverness was that, you know, I would have kids in, in, in our junior program that 
uh, you know, Craig would point over and say, Hey, you see that, see that girl over there? Uh, I, I used to teach her grandfather in junior golf here. I mean, wow. so that's one of the things that, that perpetuates, uh, you know, exceptional tradition at places like Lebanon and Oak Hill and Inverness. And uh, to be a part of that and, and to know how, how uh, energetic and enthusiastic I can be around kids uh, to get my kids into the game uh, because they've had, you know, sort of just a taste living down here um, to have my wife get back into the game, uh, to, to be around families uh, that share our similar you know, expectations and, and of what our kids' neighborhood should look like and things like that and make Lebanon part of that neighborhood uh, is an amazing opportunity. So junior golf is, I mean, it's the future of our business. So I can't think of a, a better way to, to, to help grow the game by getting back to an area that is rich in junior golf, uh, as rich as Lebanon Country Club is in junior golf, uh, and, and get going. I, mean, I know Greg Lesher grew up there uh, working with Swish, played the tour for many years. Um, so they've had some, some really good juniors come through that program. There's a lot of good junior golfers in the area. Um, so if I can develop not just good players, but just develop a love affair with the game with these kids, uh, then Lebanon Country Club will be there for those 30 years that I hope to be there. So, Chris, let's uh, switching it up just a little bit. You know, when I, when I think of golf in Florida, I think of, you know, moisture conditions, right, because you get those late afternoon thunder showers, you know, every day during the summer. There's, you know, lots of ponds and lakes and sand traps, you know, on the courses down there. Air is a little bit heavier due to the humidity. Is there a difference, do you think, and playing the game and the strategy of playing the game, you know, when you're you know, now moving from a Florida golf course and now trying to play in a, uh, in a northern part of the country? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. There is. If, if, if competition is, is one of your goals, uh, then there's certainly a different strategy playing in Florida, keeping the ball in front of you and in play. Um, and trying to shoot a low score versus uh, a layout that is, that is confined, that is, uh, has very little water features, uh, has fairways that run adjacent to each other, uh, where you can be a little bit more risky with the longer clubs and, and, and try and get it further down and get closer to it. And you can always punch out from under a tree rather than being lost in the palmettos in Florida or, or in a water feature in Florida. So there, there's certainly – probably a looser mentality when you play Northern golf. Uh, I know, I know, you know, just in my experience, you know, Oak Hill is one of the toughest golf courses. Inverness is one of the toughest golf courses that I've ever played. And my lowest scores in my life have been at those clubs versus playing in Florida where they're not as difficult slope wise, rating wise. But when you do hit a shot offline, there, there's, there's penalty strokes involved. Uh, so you can certainly, keep some momentum going more fluidly when you're playing up North because you have less ability to lose balls. Uh, but I can tell you that when I was up there interviewing for the job, I did snap hook a ball to par three over a fence and into a barn. And, uh, you know, you still got to hit it right, but, uh, uh, you still got to hit it straight, but, uh, it's, you know, I think you're right. I, I think playing golf where, where there's less chance of penalty shots, uh, certainly yeah. you can freewheel it a little bit more. Um, because I know Pelican's Nest, you get, I mean, you could have it three or four under going to, going to 17 of the Hurricane Golf Course, and you've got that skinny little four, and you've got that real tight driving par five coming in, and you can finish double-double, and all of a sudden you're shooting even par when you're four under, and, you know, it's 20 minutes later, and you're like, what happened? 
Whereas up north, right. you can kind of hit it offline, but you can punch it back in and you can you can make a bogey and you can hit it offline in a par five and still make five instead of hitting three from 280 yards away. So certainly strategically, yeah, I think that's a great great way to say it. Because I remember shooting lower scores up there and I always tell myself, well, I was a much better player back then. But it might just be <laughs> that I was, you know, I, I was a little bit uh, less brave uh, when I played golf up there and, and versus down here. Now, you you know, now I, I just try and see if I can hit the shot. And, and I like to challenge myself regardless of the penalties that are involved. I just, you know, you just say to yourself, how hard is it to hit one straight? And when you, when you don't, you know, you're, you're hitting three. So that's, that's a good point though. I like that. And Chris, as you talked to, you know, a couple of times or mentioned a couple of times, you know, your time at, at Oak Hill country club, which is up in, you know, outside of Rochester, New York. So winter conditions aren't exactly foreign to you for, you know, for those of us who are still, you know, living in colder areas of the country, you know, give it, give us a, what, what do you think, what can we do to keep our swings intact or improve some part of our game while we're sort of trapped indoors for at least another month or so. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to stay flexible. Um, you you can go, you can go. I've heard a story about Lebanon last year. This time it was, I think it was this week last year. They had 30 inches of snow, so it's typically a climate where uh, they get very little snow. It's usually in the 30s, uh, and people are playing. The sun is out. The greens, if they're not frozen, they're open. Um, so they're playing. When I was up there a few weeks ago, we had 10 players a day for those three days. It was 30 or 40 degrees, and they're still playing. But in general, if you do are going to have a break and, and you do have that period where you're going to go 30 or 60 days without playing, the most important thing uh, is, to be, is to be ready when you get back to playing, and, and, and part of that is staying flexible. We all know that sitting in our office desk and sitting on our couch, our muscles can get tighter and shorter or atrophy in many cases. And uh, we need to be able to, to continue our, our stamina uh, to, to maintain, uh, you know, our swing and our strength at the end of the round. So walking is a critical factor when it's cold out. Um, but if you can keep your muscles long and keep your, your muscles uh, ready to fire when it's time to fire, uh, I think you'll be fine. And I think you'll find that you'll, you'll be, you know, it won't take you till the seventh hole to get loose. Uh, you might be loose enough by the first green or by the second tee, uh, because the last thing you want to do when you when you stare out your window and you see three inches or four inches of snow on the ground, you're biting, you know, you're chomping at the bit to get going again, and all of a sudden you get a 40 degree day and the snow melts and you want to go play and you get to the first tee and you, you you pull out the big dog, and you pull a muscle in the first hole, that's just going to mm-hmm. knock you out for another month. Um, so the most critical thing in cold weather. Uh, whether it's prior to your round or during a layoff is to maintain your flexibility, keep stretching, uh, do as much as you can to stay hydrated, keep your muscles longer, flexible. Uh, so when it comes time to react and fire, your muscles will be ready to go and it won't take you so long. You won't hopefully avoid injuries. Chris, I want to switch gears a little bit talking about, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the equipment now that's available to us now in the game. And, you know, cause we're starting to see 59 become just, another score right you know after al guyberger he became the first guy to break 60 it was 14 years before chip beck did it again and we've had four people do it in the in the last couple of months two in back-to-back weeks so you know and in the on you layer on top of that you know guys like rory and jason day dustin johnson those guys just to name a few of them are you know driving the ball you know 350 380 yards at times wanted to get your thought chris is it time for the usga 
to address the equipment before golf fans sort of lose interest because, you know, the pros are making the game laughable? Oh, boy. I mean, that's that, – there's the – there's the future of the game right there. It's, is is, you know, if you, if uh, I've, I've spoken to you uh, on this show uh, about Oak, Oak Hill, when we were getting ready for the 03 PGA and we went back and charted uh, the 80 or the 70 or no, 1980 U S open. And we looked at every club Nicholas hit into the greens and uh, from the distances that he drove it. And, and to make that golf course in 1980 equivalent to what it was in 2003, it, the golf course would have had to have been 8,700 yards long. You know, so wow. I, I think that the golf course industry has almost come to the point where, look, we're not going to build anything any bigger. Um, we can, we can test people and we can test the best players in the world um, on the, on the best layouts, uh, with what we have as far as length goes, but at the same time, the players are certainly, it's a much fitter player today than it was in 1980. Um, you look at, and I was marveled. I, I saw part of the telecast on Friday. I marveled at, at just the physique of Jason day walking down the fairway uh, and even tiger woods and, and, and Dustin Johnson. I mean, this isn't very athletic sport, so you can't turn your back on the, you can't turn your back on the fact that, hey, we got some really good athletes that are playing the game right now. So the game has changed a little bit. Usually golfers were people that, you know, didn't fit into football or baseball or didn't have any success in hockey. And they said, oh, let me go play golf. Now you have some of your best athletes in the country, dunkers of the basketball and football players and people that could run and jump and, and, and dunk. And they're playing golf. So the game has changed. In addition to that, you have the equipment, which is ever improving. Um, the faces are thinner. The ball is hotter. The ball doesn't spin left to right as much as it used to. So you don't see as many shots offline or as far offline as they used to be. Um, so I don't know if, if, you know, I know Mr. Nicholas is a big proponent of going to a, a one ball game where not everybody can tailor a ball to their specific swings, but I don't know if that's the answer either. I mean, Steph Curry shooting three pointers like he did last year, you know, everybody for the last 30 years has had the opportunity to do what he did and nobody's ever done it. So he just might be that elite. And we might be in an era of golf where we just have that many elite golfers and that many elite athletes that can shoot these low numbers. You know, Claude Harmon senior in 1940 shot 61 at Wingfoot. He still holds the course record, but there was no media back then. And nobody knew that he shot 61. He still holds the course record at Fisher's Island Club, which he shot in the 40s. Uh, he was just an elite player, and he probably caught the golf course on a very gettable day. So shooting 59 once every month nowadays, I could definitely see that happening, but I don't think that puts the game in any detriment, detrimental position whatsoever. I think it's exciting to see people stretch the maximum of their ability. And, you, you know, uh, you know, Lynn Marriott, who taught Annika for a long time, she's had Mission 54, Vision 54. That's been the name of her company for 20 years. And she really believed 20 years ago that somebody could shoot 54. And I think with all of the, the mental gurus, the physical gurus, the equipment changes, the quality of the, of the equipment, the quality of the ball, it's set up for someone to actually approach that 59, 58, like Fury 7, 56. And we might see a 54 one of these days. But you got to also get somebody in perfect form 
on a perfect day with perfect greens. And uh, I think that would be exciting. I don't think it's a step in the wrong direction for the game because, as you say, you know, you have the observer saying, well, the golf, the game is too easy. Well, just go ask someone who goes to their golf course on the weekend and shoots 105 and is ready to quit. You know, these are just a, a very handful of elite athletes that are just doing amazing things just based on the current time and the era of the game, just like the three-point line. Uh, slap shots are getting faster in hockey because of the flexibility of the sticks. Uh, you know, uh, the football, you see a lot more scoring now in football because the game has changed. They've changed the, you know, the way the game is officiated on the defensive side of the ball. So we're in an era of exciting sports. Um, I was thinking about that the other day, too. In my lifetime, I've seen maybe the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, the greatest hockey player in Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, you're seeing some, maybe LeBron James, the greatest basketball of all time. This is all under my eyes. And uh, it's just an exciting time to be a sports fan. And I think we should root for that that rare moment of greatness rather than say, you know what? I think somebody shooting 59 or two people in 10 days shooting 59 is, is a knock on the game. I actually think it's an exciting part of the game. Chris, one more before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can uh, you know, follow you, whether it's online or over social media and keep up, uh, up to date with all the great things you're doing. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm on Facebook. I don't uh, just, you can look me up there. I'm on Twitter at uh, PNGCDOG. Uh, I'm on the LinkedIn as well. And uh, the new club, country clubs, 11 and country club, that's lebcc.com. And uh, it's just been a pleasure being with you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you again, Chris, and, and hope uh, you have a great second half of the show and another great uh, and a great season watching the, the Super Bowl as well. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's a tough one for me, Chris. You know, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm a Steeler fan, and that uh, you know, I'm still licking my wounds over that that uh, dreadful performance we threw out there last Sunday. But uh, so it's it's hard for me to to root for Tom Brady, and uh, you know, I live down here just outside of Atlanta, and you know, the people here are just right. going nuts, you know, over the Falcons. <laughs> so I hear about it, you know, every day at work about you know the Falcons this, the Falcons that, but you know. Uh, as a Steeler fan, I don't want to see Tom Brady get closer. I mean, he obviously he's going to, you know, the Patriots are going to be in more Super Bowls than the Steelers have been in. But to think that, you know, they could approach the six Super Bowl championships that, that my boys have won over the years. So I guess I got to get on board with the Falcons. How about you? Well, I, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in Rhode Island. I'm a diehard Boston sports fan. Uh, you know, I was actually encouraged by the way the Steelers played last week. I thought they played valiantly and uh, they did all they could against the mighty Pats. And uh, I, I have a hard time betting anything against Tom Brady. Uh, I just think he's that yeah, he's that once indeed. in a lifetime special guy. Uh, he finds a way to get things done, and to to be in his seventh Super Bowl and eleven, you know, eleven conference championship games in fourteen years or whatever it was. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. He's a he's a generational type player. Uh, so I'm I'm, I'm going to root for the Patriots, but I'll be up in uh, near Pittsburgh in a few days and. And uh, look forward to, to uh, meeting a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler fans, that's for sure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for taking time out of your morning to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a, you know, a privilege to, to get to be able to spend some time with you. I hope you'll, once you get settled in up there, you'll come back and join me again. I would love to do that. Call me anytime. You know that. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, Chris. All the best to you and your family, my friend. You as well. 
That is uh, PGA professional Chris, uh, Chris Sheehan, and uh, wow, you can, as you can tell, what a great guy, and you know, he's had so many great experiences, again, you know, being a part of so many great golf courses and country clubs, that, you know, that he has taught at and, and worked for and worked at and, and that sort of thing. He's a great teacher of the game, you know, getting back to, you know, helping the, the junior players, hopefully developing, you know, now up there just outside of Philly and, and Lebanon and uh, a great golf course as well. Check it out online. It's uh, It really looks amazing. Again, dating back all the way to 1920 so we look forward to the opportunity to catch up again with chris you know hopefully real soon all right before i get to my next guest brad howard i want to give a shout out to our friends at the bobby jones company folks right here we are in winter right cold damp windy days you know game changers and speaking of windy days we'll talk about windy gusts uh, with brad where he uh, where he is the, uh, the 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 head golf pro but uh you know when you look at you know dealing with all of those sorts of wintry weather conditions Give yourself an opportunity to beat the odds with Bobby Jones layers from quarter zip pullovers to super soft sweaters that keep you both looking good and feeling good, whether you're in the office or out on the golf course. Check out all of their great styles online at bobbyjones.com. Plus, while you're there on their site, you can watch playing lessons from Bobby Jones himself. And folks, many of those lessons still hold true to today. So go to bobbyjones.com to see for yourself how great their apparel truly is. And while you're on that site, click on the equipment link to see the great line of drivers, fairway woods, and hybrids designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Mr. Jesse Ortiz. And Jesse, like his father, Lou, and even Bobby Jones himself, you know, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club design. You remember his great tri-wood and fairway medals from his days back at Olimar. Well, now he's putting his creativity and his innovative designs to work creating golf, great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. You can check it out online by cl- clicking on the equipment link on bobbyjones.com or go directly there by going to bobbyjonesclubs.com. And folks, if you're looking for great golf accessories, check out our friends at uh, at Brogger Golf. What a wonderful array of products they have, like the Amphibian Tau that won the best new product at the PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009. I'm reading online about some of the great stuff they're coming out with that they presented at this year's PGA Merchandise Show. So please check it out online by going to Frogger Golf. Their catch latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases, whether it's your amphibian towel, your brush pro cleaner, they put some catch latch technology together for your range finders and those sorts of things. They've got some, you know, other great accessories that you'll find for under $20. And their golf bags, folks, tremendous. On sale right now, they're typically $169.99. They've taken $100 off, so you can get yourself one for $69.99, and I love mine. You know, it's got a lot of storage compartments. You know, they've got the catch lights technology built right into the golf bag as well. So, please, you're going to love their stuff. Check it out, froggergolf.com. All right, we're going to get to my next guest, Brad Howard. We'll do that on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Brad Howard. Let me give you some background on Brad. He's originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He attended Edison Junior College down in Fort Myers, Florida, where he helped their golf team make two national junior college championships where they placed third and fifth, respectively. Following his time there, he transferred to Southeastern Louisiana University, where he was the team medalist in the in the 1983-1984 school year. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree at Drake University up in Des Moines, Iowa, while working at Wakanda Club, which dates back to, they talk about old clubs, dates back to 1922, and Golf Digest has ranked it in the top five courses in the state of Iowa. 
Brad also spent the early years of his golf career at Tuckaway Country Club, which was the home of the Greater Milwaukee Open for many years. 2004, he was the North Florida PGA Player of the Year. He's competed on the PGA Tour and the Nationwide Tour. He's been a great instructor on the Golf Channel's Golf Academy Live, been on there six times. He's currently the Director of Golf at the Hammock Beach Resort, and I'm excited to have him with me here this morning on Next on the Tee. Good morning, Brad. Thanks for being a part of the show. Good morning, Chris, and uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. So, Brad, I you know I like to start. You know, first time I get to have a guest on the show, I like to kind of go all the way back to the beginning for you. When did you first start playing the game of golf, and who was the first person to put a golf club in your hands? Uh, I started at the age of ten, and uh, my father was uh, the one that, that that got me interested in the game. He, um, I remember going out to um, back then. There's, uh, you went out to um, public ranges where you picked up your own own golf balls. So you'd hit them and pick them up. And I remember hitting my first shot that just soared through the air, and I was absolutely hooked after that. So I uh, gotta gotta thank my father for a lot of great years on the course with him, and uh, a lot of great memories there. So Brad, as I sort of was looking back over the course of your career, you've had quite a journey if you will, in the game of golf. How did you go from Milwaukee to starting your college golf career down in Fort Myers, Florida, then to Southeastern Louisiana University, and then ending up at Des Moines, Iowa, you know, at the, at Drake? Yeah, well, you know, Milwaukee, you don't get to play much golf during the wintertime, and uh, it gets rather cold. So I, I quickly learned that I wanted to get to a warm weather climate and um, just was introduced to Edison through a few friends and we made a trip down there and visited the campus and really liked it. It's back then it was a nationally ranked program. And, uh, is that actually fuzzy Zeller had, um, was also, uh, uh, played for Edison and went to Edison for several years. So that just caught my interest and I was able to walk on, make the team and, uh, and really had a, a, a great time with the, the, uh, the teammates that were on, on our team there. And being a nationally recognized program, uh, other universities start looking for junior college players, and Southeastern was an up-and-coming program in the country. And, uh, uh, again, visited the campus, really liked it, liked what they had, and uh, had several good years there. So uh, playing college golf and competing in college golf, you just uh, it takes up a lot of time. And it's really hard to complete your your degree in four years. So I still actually had about half um, half a semester to to, uh, to uh, or one semester to finish up. And um, took on a job at the Wakanda Club in Des Moines, Iowa, which at that time was the number one private club in uh, Des Moines. They had hosted the '63 Amateur, where uh, Dean Beeman. Uh, was a champion, and it was just a, a fantastic private club right uh, right in Des Moines, Iowa. And you know, Des Moines, you just it felt like a suburb of Chicago, and it's just really, uh, really a, a very very neat place. And uh, so I finished up my degree at Drake, uh, had a, a great year there, and uh, and here we are. So that's kind of the skinny of it. And. You know, Brad, you know, Tuckaway Country Club, like I mentioned in your intro, hosted the Greater Milwaukee Open 
from 1973 to 1993. I'm curious to get your thoughts and memories of spending time there and, and being a part of, part of a great golf course like that. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, back then I was, I was going to high school. I was in high school. So I was the, uh, the range rat, so to speak, and did all the, all the laboring work behind the scenes with a PGA tour. So it was fun to see, um, to see a tour event from start to finish uh, with putting up the ropes and the scoreboards and the organization of it. And then the players coming in was very exciting. And, you know, I remember Payne Stewart coming in and I didn't recognize Payne Stewart because he was in jeans. He wasn't wearing his knickers. And then uh, someone pointed out to me, and oh, that's Payne Stewart. So uh, it was, uh, it was fun to, um, to see all, see all the players. I remember being able to caddy for Jack Nicholas in the practice round, which was wow. um, which was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, it was uh, he's a he's a, a very interesting man, and I have great memories there. So I, I guess you know just working the range, I, I got to um, really look at a lot of good good golf swings, got to, got a chance to really listen and learn from the manufacturers that came in talking to the players and just even the coaches that came in and teaching their players. Uh, I, I, I gathered a lot of information um, in those early years, which really helped me to become a good player myself and, um, and, and teach the game and, and really help a lot of, a lot, a lot of people. I, that's why I take a lot of pride in is the ability to help any level of player uh, get better at, at this, uh, at this crazy game. So. And Brad, you talk about being you know, a good player yourself. You, you played in a few events out on the PGA tour and the nationwide tour. Talk about your experiences out on tour. I'll tell you, um, that's a great, that's a great question. It, it, I mean, it, people have no idea good, the 150th player in the world is, you know, and then they, and then you realize what Tiger did through his career, being number one for how many years he's number one and just beating these guys like they're, you know, high school players. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed with um, some of the guys I played with. I played with Lucas Glover before he really became, came on the scenes. Um, Cameron Beckman, uh, uh, I played with Brad Bryant. I mean, these guys can. These guys, a lot of a lot of people have never heard of, of of some of these players, but it's truly amazing how deep and how good the P, the PGA Tour is, and and how hard it is to uh, not only get your card but keep your card, and 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 and, and make a really decent living at it. it it's um. It's not an easy thing, you know, and I, I'll go, I'll go right to the Tiger deal right now. You know, Tiger, I'll predict Tiger needs to probably play about at least four events before he starts kicking it in the gear. And um, he's, he's got a little rust and he's working through that, but we'll, I, I hope he hangs in there and he doesn't get frustrated because he means so much to the game and to see him competing at, and at a very high level and, and, and playing in the masters, it's just going to be, it's going to be really good for the game of golf and bring a lot of eyeballs back, back to the sport. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward here. 
And Brad, now you're the director of golf at the Hammock Beach Resort. I had the privilege of playing the Nicholas Course Ocean Hammock, you know, uh, you know, one time several years ago. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with the resort and the two great golf courses that you have there on the property, give us an overview of the amenities and the golf courses there. Sure. Um, well, we Hammock Beach Resort and, and the golf courses is a, is a very special place. It was one of the last resorts that was built right on the right on the ocean uh, in the state of Florida. So we're fairly uh, fairly a new product uh, when you look at all the resor- oceanside resorts that are in Florida. And uh, the resort itself is very spacious. Our one bedroom suites are huge. Uh, we have three bedroom uh, suites that are basically 2,000 square feet with kitchens and dining rooms, and uh, so the the actual hotel side of it is, is really uh, first class. Um, hold on a second here. Um, and then uh, our swimming pool complex is a six million dollar swimming pool complex with a with a, a nice big slide and a lazy river and kids' pools and adult pools, uh, fire pits. Um, you know, we have a nine-hole putting course that people really like to enjoy playing around. It's landscaped just beautifully. And then we get into the real heart of the of the resort, and that's uh, that's the two golf courses here. And we have um, we have our Jack Nicklaus signature design course, the Ocean Course. It has six holes right on the ocean, which is more holes on the ocean than any course in Florida. And it's, and it's just uh, absolutely spectacular. And then we have, um, which I think is even a better course, is the conservatory. This is our inland course. It, it's a Tom Watson uh, signature design. It's currently the longest and hardest golf course in Florida. From the back tees, it plays 7,776 yards. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, but um, that shouldn't scare you because even though it's a lot in the longest course, it designed it to where there's no force carries off the tee or are there force carries to the green. So it allows you to roll the ball up to the uh, to the green if you, if you want to play it that way. And it's a linksy style type, type course. So we actually have 12 sets of tee boxes that you can play from. So you can basically play the golf course from any 200-yard increment down from the 7,700-yard yardage uh, and, and get to a distance that um, get to a distance that, that is uh, really suitable for you. Uh, the fairways are pretty wide. It, you know, off the tee, it's not too intimidating. But we have 187 bunkers, and if you get in one of those, it's um, it's a it's a true half shot penalty. Uh, you just take your wedge and and get it out and, and try to make your par from 100 or 150 yards out. So the golf course is planted. Um, the, uh, the conservatory is planted in a in a pass panel on platinum. Uh, is the greens and then seashore pass panel on the tees and fairways. And I'll, I'll just gotta tell you the grass is. Um, it's just spectacular, and we get rave reviews on the playability of, of this golf course. So two, um, two fantastic golf courses. We have actually we actually have the Big Ten Match Play Championship coming up, uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks where all the Big Ten schools will be here for now the third year, and that will, uh, <clears throat> will be televised on the Big Ten Network. And um, 
oddly enough, they um, they stay at the resort. They see the ocean course. They play the ocean course, but they really love the conservatory to compete on for the match play. And and so they they've chosen the uh, the conservatory again this year. So uh, so it, it's definitely two great golf courses, two very unique experiences, and uh, people really enjoy it when they come here and play. Yeah, and when my buddies and I went down there and played several years ago, we we had a great time. And I tell you what, though, when we arrived, and like I say, we played we played Ocean Hammocks, we played the Ocean Course, and uh, you know the winds were really whipping around, you know, at least or at least they were to us. And, and when we were waiting to tee off, I had said to the starter, "Man, I can't believe the wind." And he said, "Yeah, I know. You boys got lucky. It's a calm day. And I think the winds were about <laughs> 25 miles an hour or so that day." But what are the harshest wind conditions that you've seen out there trying to play at on the on the ocean course? Well, we just had Hurricane Matthew move through, so we saw 100 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't get out there and play while it was going on, but uh, you know, it's 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 sometimes can reach you know in the in the winter time if we get a, like a nor'easter coming in it can be gusts of 30 35 miles an hour which uh it almost at that point comes a little bit unplayable but yeah 15 miles i i, I would say is probably average and then on a windy day is a 20 to 25 and then a real windy day which happens a handful times a year uh can be you know 25 to 35 mile an hour got so uh but it's challenging the par threes are on the um on the ocean course and that wind coming out of the north gosh it's just you got to aim the ball like 20 yards left of the green or right of the green depending on where the wind's coming out of and uh it's a it's imposes some real challenging shots so you know i do need to mention that you know hurricane matthew we did get hit by the storm in october october 7th and we got breached uh, significantly with uh, seawater uh, or ocean water, which is, as you know, high in salt content. And the water uh, got onto the fairways on all the ocean side holes. And as a result, that water went into the drainage system, which went into all our lakes. And the lakes are interconnecting and the lake levels rose. So we had salt water damage throughout the golf course. So make a long story short, we're currently closed uh, for restoration. And um, we will be opening in October, and we're very excited about it because the ocean course is going to have a totally uh, remake or redo. We're going to be going wall-to-wall, pound platinum PE, which is some of the best grass uh, you can put on a golf course. And only, I believe, if, I might be mistaken, but I, I've, I've heard from several people that they feel like there's only like four or five courses in the country that have gone wall-to-wall on their course with, with this past panel on platinum. And um, all, the, all the greens will get redone with this grass, and then the bunkers will be getting all redone, um, and, other, uh, and then just a, an entire facelift for the golf course. So uh, we're excited, and we'll be having hopefully Jack Nicholas up here to, um, to help kick off the opening. And uh, when we open up back up in October, it is absolutely going to be spectacular. It could be one really, really good golf course. Yeah, no, that's, you know, I mean, that's unfortunate, right, to, to, to lose, you know, this golf season for the most part until late in the year. But, uh, you know, that'll be, I'm sure, a, a fantastic event. And, I, you know, from my experience, 
it is just you know it is it's a spectacular golf course one one of my favorite holes you mentioned the par threes brad the par three seventeenth on the ocean side is just a you know an absolutely gorgeous golf hole straight out towards the ocean you know but it's i one of my memories you know of that golf hole is that there's a a deep bunker to the right of that green i have one of my playing partners my buddy angelo hit his tee shot down into just near the near the wall of the of the uh, of that bunker and it from my memory and i may be exaggerating it because it was it was you know so, it was so daunting to me a golf shot but i i remember uh, you know him being down in the bottom of that bunker not really being able to see the green from that green side bunker and uh right. you know, I t- what i told him was i said you know what you you, you need to take a, a wedge or something and hit this ball backwards there's no way you're going to do anything with this golf shot and you know trying to prove me wrong he uh, he took his wedge and he or sandwich and he opened the face of that up, took a big full swing and you know it's the greatest bunker shot I've ever seen in golf because he got it up onto onto that green somehow. But that that hole when you're standing on the tee and looking out to the green and seeing the ocean in the distance and the layout, absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, well pho- photographed and um, and we use it in all our advertising and uh, it's it's a spectacular hole. It's got a lot better views now too, because a lot of the palmetto bushes that are be- that were behind it are now knocked down. So it's uh, we had a nice view of the uh-huh. ocean, but now we have, now we have an even nicer view. Uh, thanks yeah. to the hurricane. But yeah, it's a, Brad, it's a, great just a couple more before we let you go. I was I watched a, a great playing lesson that you filmed that you know, people can go check out on, on YouTube about how to hit fairway woods, hit fairway three wood in particular. Do you mind sharing that tip for how we can hit better three wood shots when we find ourselves out in the fairway and, uh, you know, 200 plus in? Yeah, I remember that video. That was done on uh, the 14th hole, our par five. And um, I've done a lot of videos, so I can't remember exactly what I said in that that particular uh, uh, case. But a, a real secret for hitting your three woods or, or five woods or even the hybrids uh, just a little bit better is to produce a sweeping swing. So what I mean by that is you're going to feel like the club head stays longer to the ground during the duration of the start of your backswing than you would feel with your iron shots. So you want to produce that. That will help you produce a little more sweeping swing. So if you're having trouble with, with your fairway woods, try just keeping that club a little bit longer to the ground as you as you make your backswing and you'll be amazed how simple of a tip that is how how effective that is in helping you hit a little bit more of a solid crisper uh uh wood wood brad before we let you go let our listeners know how can they follow you whether it's online or over social media uh, I am on facebook uh just brad hauer h a u e r and I am on LinkedIn. Uh, same and uh, I'm not I'm, I'm on Twitter but I don't really do Twitter a whole lot but um, basically Facebook and LinkedIn um, are the two social medias that I'm I'm at and then my uh, if you want to ask me a question or whatever my email address is b r h a u e r at um, pga dot com or hammockbeach dot com either either one I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Brad, I, thank you, first of all, for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show today. You're terrific. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. Love to get into a lot more things uh, you know, about the golf swing and some of the other videos that you've done because a lot of your playing lessons are absolutely outstanding. 
Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Would love to uh, love to come back on the show. So just let me know, and I'll uh, share all my secrets. <laughs> I appreciate that. Brad, take care. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to the opportunity, hopefully, to catch up with you again real soon. Okay. Thank you, Chris. That is uh, Brad Hauer again. He is down at the uh, at, at Hammock Resort down there in uh, in Daytona Beach, and I, and I promise you, folks, when you look at the Hammock Beach Resort online, you're going to be stunned by how beautiful the resort is, how unbelievable both golf courses are. He talked about the Watson, you know, design course on the interior side. Obviously, the Nicholas when we talk about Ocean Hammock, because I like I said got to play that course one time several years ago, but it is it's spectacular. My buddies and I still talk about. You know, our day out there at Ocean Hammock and how great the golf course was and how much fun we had. So hopefully we'll get the opportunity to go down there before long. But uh, like I can't I can't stress enough. Go check it out online. You're really going to love that resort and those golf courses. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. But, you know, before we close up shop every week, I'd like to remind you about our friends and our partner, you know, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's, uh, let's hear a word from Jim about, you know, the great stuff that they continue to do over there at the SMGA. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, folks, you know, Jim and his team continue to do some amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. Please, to find out more information and to see how you can get involved with this great, uh, this great charity, this great, you know, organization doing such great things for our, for our wounded military veterans, go online to smga.org. All right, folks, my sincere thanks to Chris Sheehan and, and, and Brad Hauer for making today's show a lot of fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed the last hour as well. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari, our announcer Joe Lajanusha. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio. It's also available on Armed Forces uh, on the Armed Forces Radio Network by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And it's also that show, just like this one, is available as a free podcast over on Podbean and iHeartRadio. We hope you'll check us out online again. Our great friends over at Podbean. Can't thank them enough and tell you how great they are and how wonderful their support has been for both of our shows. Uh, on the on the football side, on Thursday night tailgate, you know, just to let you know, remind you, we're joined every week by five NFL legends. We're, we do that show year-round, not just during the football season. So we're year-round on that show, just like we are on this one. So on Thursday night tailgate, you know, we, we bring you those five legends. They share stories from their playing days, give you insights into today's game and their experience and that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time with all the wonderful legends that we've been uh, privileged to have on that show. Uh, we also highlight two players that are doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. So, you know, we hear so often, right, 
about how, you know, this player is getting in trouble for this, arrested for that, all that sort of stuff, which really is, you know, 1% of the guys playing in the NFL. So we like to flip that around. We like to have a more positive spin, just like we do on this show, but to give you, you know, two guys every week doing great things in their community so you hear about the positive things that players are doing, you know, whether it's in their current communities for the teams they play or back in their home states and cities around the country. So our spotlight on the positive segment is something we really enjoy doing. You can check out this show and Thursday Night Tailgate on Facebook. They both have Facebook pages. Give us a like. That's important to us. You can find both shows on our websites, nextonthetee.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com. From either of those sites or over on Podbean, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, plus keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be as well. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of choices for, for shows and podcasts to stream or download. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA are legends, pros and top instructors. And media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.